Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. We're fortunate to have uh, one of the top wealth managers here in Singapore join us live in Money and Me. His name is Jem Azak, Executive Chairman and Majority Shareholder at Cross Invest Asia Private Limited. There's been a growth in the number of privately owned asset management services here in Asia, among them Cross Invest. Uh, what can us and what can we investors learn from the experience of individuals like Jem Azak? We're about to find out. Jem, good morning. Good morning, Michelle. Good of you to join us. Has 2020 been a watershed year, do you think, for asset managers? Yeah, it was definitely a very, very volatile year, uh, I think, for everybody. And especially asset managers had to very focus almost day and night at the financial markets to secure the investments of their clients. Help us understand the landscape of privately owned asset management services here in Asia as you see it. And why do you think more seem to be turning uh, to such services instead of the traditional banks? So independent asset managers are growing and uh, you see more and more firms um, established, especially here in Singapore and Hong Kong. And it started as a trend in in Switzerland and later in London. And um, Singapore was one of the first uh, Asian hubs where independent asset managers appeared. One of the major reasons I would say it's uh, an asset manager, an independent asset manager is closer to the client. It has no conflict of interest because it's not depending on a financial group and um, you you can tailor-made your solutions for the client. There is no product push because there are no budgets normally for independent asset managers. I think these are the biggest differences. Can you share with us uh, what some of the, the, the things you're sharing with your, your clients right now in terms of where the opportunities are in this post-COVID world? Unfortunately, because of COVID-19, obviously the whole uh, world globally and also Asia and Singapore in particular have experienced um, very volatile days and volatile months. But uh, every downturn also brings a lot of opportunities. As uh, Warren Buffett always say, you buy when everybody sells and you sell when everybody buys. So a lot of valuable companies and a lot of valuable assets are undervalued or were undervalued. And that's also the reason why we can see in the last few uh, four to six weeks why they bounce back so sharply. Um, but there's still uh, values out there and um, you can buy it for, for relatively uh, good pricing. Uh, in terms of geographic areas, are there certain areas that you're overweight? Uh, especially uh, Asia is doing quite well. I mean, it depends how which region was a- able to cope with COVID-19 better. Asia was for the first area who was exposed to COVID-19 and they implemented very well, as we can see in Singapore. Singapore did an excellent job. Uh, so the impact is lesser than a lot of other areas. We can see in, in the U.S. it's still record high numbers of uh, infections. And obviously that has an impact on the economy as well. But because now in the last few weeks we heard so many new vaccines coming up, um, there is a positive momentum and that's also the reason why we can see it, it's going up. I think everything related to the digital space is definitely something which is very, very interesting because I think COVID-19 uh, teaches us all that digital is definitely the future and we already have digital in all our lives. Mm. What issues are on wealthy investors' radars right now, Jim? 
the major issues is obviously wealth preservation uh, for themselves to um, establish their state to for the next uh, generation but also uh, more and more private equity and especially venture capital deals are very, very interesting uh, for our clientele. And uh, here in Singapore is an excellent hub to invest in companies in that area as well because you have a lot of young entrepreneurs, young people, young graduates. I'm always very impressed when I see very, very young people coming up with great ideas, establishing their first company and also managing it quite well. Fantastic. Can you give us a sense of how wealthy investors have handled their portfolio with regards to coronavirus-driven volatility? For example, how did they handle their portfolios maybe in late March, early April versus what you're seeing now? I mean, it depends, obviously, if they had the right advisors. I can tell you how we handled the portfolios of our clients. Mm -hmm. What we did was when we realized there is uh, this coronavirus uh, will have a deeper impact, we were very cautious and we started to divest from all areas which are related to travel, airlines, hotel, hospitality, uh, but also businesses which needed a lot of uh, manpower to produce production uh, businesses. And we uh, switched over in digital uh, businesses in businesses like uh, where we thought they will benefit, like Amazon delivery businesses. And uh, we also started to invest uh, heavily into companies which have in healthcare, uh, especially in uh, companies which are producing uh, disinfectants, uh, masks, this kind of companies we invested. Mm-hmm. And we were also lucky that our CIO um, did a very good research on all the companies, pharmaceutical companies, where we were expecting that they will be able to come up with a vaccine very fast. So we were one of the first investors into BioNTech uh, from Germany, which has this joint venture with Pfizer, which was the first one out that they have a vaccine. I'm very proud because uh, the founders of BioNTech are two professors from my university in Germany, Mainz University. So there is a a nice link. And normally Mainz is a small university town in Germany. Not everybody knows it, but now it got global recognition. So I'm very proud of that as well. Fantastic. Do you have some thoughts on vaccine distribution plays that our investors might find interesting? I mean, it depends. As you know, there are different types of vaccines. Um, Some need special refrigeration, and that will be probably more complicated. But uh, these vaccines can be produced in much higher numbers because uh, based on gene technology. And um, it it depends on which countries will uh, will adopt which kind of vaccine. But the good news is it's not only one company now. There are several companies, several countries which are uh, able to produce the vaccine. So we're expecting, we have actually a positive view for next year. Uh, we think it will be an equity year. Uh, companies will do quite well. The markets will further bounce back. That is our uh, expectation and the scenario we have for two, 2021. Um, but obviously it will take some time till all the vaccines are delivered and till everybody, especially vulnerable groups, will be able to get the vaccine. You mentioned divesting um, hospitality and travel stocks. Has that position changed? Now we're looking, actually, that's a good question. We're looking now very closely into these areas because they are started to bounce back uh, with the hopes of uh, 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 widespread vaccination uh, opportunities or possibilities. So these are actually definitely um, areas where we're looking now, and we're also looking very closely into some of the airlines. Um, but uh, there is also you have to be also cautious because we think that the cash flows will be still under pressure for another uh, six to eight months. 
till the vaccine is more globally rolled out and you have to invest in companies where you think they have enough uh, balance sheet strength or able to get further lending from uh, from financial institutions or the government to at least maintain the operations for the next eight to nine months till everything normalizes or gets uh, more normal. How closely are investors um, or how closely are investors like you looking at stimulus in the U.S., further stimulus? I mean, we're expecting hopefully today there will be good news. Uh, as you know, there there, the, 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 uh, there is a bipartisan package which will be discussed uh, today. Uh, they discuss it over the, the weekend as well. So we're hoping that the Republicans and Democrats will come to a, a conclusion and uh, we'll have uh, further good news for the markets. Jim, let's get to know you a little bit better. You're a veteran industry leader, vast experience in banking and wealth management across the UK, Germany, Switzerland, Singapore. Before Cross Invest Asia, you were senior managing director, market head, um, international member of private banking council. Too many titles for me to get through, really. But I wonder if you'll share with uh, our listeners who are investors a little about your own personal investment journey. Uh, my personal investment is actually I uh, invested heavily when the markets went down during the financial crisis. I believed in some uh, companies. I I thought uh, they have a sound track record and they will sustain because you there will be always, markets always will go up and down. You will have certain times of crisis every 10, 15 years. You will have deep crisis. But companies with a sound um, business plan, with a sound strategy, with a good management uh, and with also a sound balance sheet, normally are able to bounce back very fast. And that these are the times where you can get um, good value for your money, as we say. Um, and this year was actually the same thing. So we were extremely lucky that we went into the, the, the right companies. Uh, and it's the same for my wealth as well. But I also want to caution people um, because I know a lot of people get very excited. They want to invest a lot of money mm-hmm. or more than they should um, from their own wealth into the financial markets. Um, you should only invest the, very, the portion you don't really need. If anything goes wrong, you should be able to uh, sustain your lifestyle. And I think COVID has teached everybody that uh, we have this golden formula where we uh, always talk about you should be able to sustain your lifestyle for six to 12 months, have enough financial savings, to uh, make that happen. And only then, if you have still uh, some amounts, then you can invest in in, uh, easy investments, like where you can also invest with small amounts, like ETFs, exchange-traded funds, where you can invest small amounts, even as an ordinary uh, investor. And I think these are the, 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 the main things Great insights. Yeah, thank you for sharing. So big news for us here in Singapore is MAS granting two digital wholesale licenses, uh, one to the Ant Group, another to a consortium of Chinese companies. I wonder if you're looking with interest at the growth of uh, fintech in China. Yes, yes. Not not only in China, actually everywhere. I'm also in the board of a a large fintech uh, company in Germany, in the shareholders board. And I have also personal investments in a digital education company, one of the largest in Germany as well, uh, which we're thinking to bring over to Singapore. And we also look as cross-invest into investments in some local digital companies, uh, because as I said before, they're very, very interesting companies. 
Um, I think we're quite fortunate to be in Singapore because you have a big pool of talent of young people which have great ideas on the digital space and um, or have already established fintechs and we're uh, happy to invest in that. And we're also lucky because I, I believe they're undervalued. If the same companies would be established in Europe or in the US, the valuations would be much higher. Or, or in China. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as I said, digital is, is the future and uh, everything related to digital, digital banking, fintechs, that will be the future. Can you share with us your sense of the trends that will shape the future of asset management next year, from next year? I think the, the major thing is um, uh, for asset managers, cost is, is, is because regulations is not only for the banks, but also for asset managers. Uh, there are more and more regulations they have to apply to, which is a, which is a good thing. It's, it's, not, it's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But cost is a major thing. So investing in digital solutions, which save cost, is, is very important. And the other thing is obviously the markets. It's about Biden, the Biden administration. We believe that Asia will have a uh, will have a, a upside from that, because we believe there will be a more normal uh, geopolitic uh, agenda of the U.S. administration. And we also believe that the relations to China will normalize or will be at least more dependable. Really interesting. Um, just one more point. You know, with the digital banks, everybody's looking at how these new services are going to transform the user experience. Is that also uh, a point of interest to asset managers like yourself and your firms? Yes. As I said, we're already investing in some of these uh, companies. But the important thing is, uh, obviously, and I'm pretty sure that the regulators in Singapore is doing a f- fantastic job there, uh, regulators will also have a close look because it's also important that the, the digital banks or the digital um, um, companies will also have a similar regulation to banks. So the, the customer uh, money or the client money is, is protected and segregated. Well, great meeting you. And thank you for joining us on Money FM 89.3, Jim. Thank you very much, Michelle. His name is Jem Azat. He's Executive Chairman, Majority Shareholder at Crossinvest Asia Private Limited. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.